This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. I do want to reiterate that we are in the middle of a a sermon series about questions uh, the church should answer. That people have. And so one of the things that we've been trying to tackle the last few weeks is does Christianity denigrate women? And so we started that a couple of weeks ago. It was interrupted because we had a guest speaker. And, um, and last week we had uh, all these events of uh, baby dedication and communion. So um, instead of a one and a half week long message, it's turning into like three Sundays. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to... Um, Let's do this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. And we talked about this. It's, uh, when I was younger, it used to be my favorite verse. When I was an uh, immature Christian, I loved this verse. And uh, I don't say this uh, with, I, I say this with regret that uh, I've probably quoted, misquoted this verse many times. And so you guys, many of you know this verse, Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit, to your, uh, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to their husbands in everything. And verse 25 is the verse I'd like for us to focus on today. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you this morning. Thank you for healing bodies, encouraging us. Uh, but Lord, thank you that we've had the opportunity to lift your name, the name that is above every other name. Lord, you are Lord. So thank you that we get to bow our knee and submit ourselves to our Savior Jesus. Thank you. Lord, we love you and ask that you would be with us. Help us to uh, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, help us not only to listen, but to begin to live it out. Lord, help us to be not the same way we walked in this place, but Lord, help us to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen. Marriage is used as a metaphor in the scripture. uh, And Paul emphasizes it here in Ephesians. If you've read the scripture, you know the scripture. Uh, you know what's going on. Now, before I move on, if you hear any th- loud noise, the kids are right below us, and they're having a blast, all right? Uh, they're pl- singing and dancing, and they're getting ready for the Christmas play, which is December 12th, so remember that. So uh, the marriage is presented to us humans uh, as, a mer- uh, as a metaphor, and especially found in Ephesians, and when we hear the words, wives submit to your husbands, uh, I wrote here, and I said it last week, uh, to many it, it feels like um, a curse. And sadly, for generations, it has been a curse. It feels like something that doesn't feel right when we hear it. Wives submit to your husbands. It doesn't feel right. And I'm here to tell you that the reason it doesn't feel right, and I agree with you, is because sadly we haven't learned what it really means and uh, we have misapplied this scripture in certain ways. Uh, 
I am uh, in the ministry of campus ministry, Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. And in our ministry, we have 1,200 um, ministers who work on the campuses across the country. And of the 1,200 Chi Alpha ministers, 650 are women. And I have the privilege to working with lots of uh, minister, ministry women. And my boss, her name is Stepha, she shared here a couple years ago. Uh, so I get to, uh, I'm always around women in ministry. And it's very encouraging and very challenging in a sense, like they challenge me how to live for Christ. Um, but one of the things, they, this verse always seems to pop up. And so I've asked them in the past year, because I kind of knew where we were going to be talking about this uh, around this time of the year. And I've asked them what they think of that verse. Um, and, they, and many of them are married. Not all the women in Kayafa are married, but many of them. And, it, and if, again, they kind of reiterate, in the natural of the time frame that we live in, it doesn't feel right. Last week, I talked about John McEnroe. Um, he's one of, my, uh, one of my favorite nemesis back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but he was famous for saying, you've got to be kidding me. And that's something I would hear from my friends uh, when they would hear that verse, like, you've got to be kidding me. So you, you have this, uh, this lady that gets saved. She's a sophomore, junior in college. And then, you know, she just gave her life to Jesus because she believes in Jesus, that he died on the cross, and uh, she needed Jesus. And then she comes across this verse. And so uh, her response is, you've got to be kidding me. And so, and, and I understand that. And there's, what I write here, there's three uh, problems that we see and that typically in the natural about submitting when, with this verse, uh, that the wives should submit. And we live in a world where women are more competent than men. You know, uh, I look at my own wife and I'm realizing uh, not only did I marry up, she is taller than me, uh, but not only... Physically, she taught me, but she's so gifted in so many ways. And so, yes, so we live in a world where women are, are as competent or more so. And so that's difficult to hear. Uh, so what is the verse really saying? And so that's the question that you will have to begin to do your research and answer as well. Um, now, it says that the women should submit unto the Lord, uh, to their husbands as unto the Lord. And I think it's one thing, and, um, and I'll give you uh, a window into my life a little bit. Uh, this is a challenge. Um, in my marriage, uh, we've been married 33 and a half years, almost 34 years. And one of the challenges is that sometimes I don't make it easy for my wife to submit uh, to our, our family plan. I am the person that gets in the way. And I'll share a little bit more of that as well. The last thing is that it's one thing to sacrifice to King Jesus. It's a whole other thing uh, to submit to Mario. Um, and I have made it from time to time. I would like to think it's less time than more times. Uh, but my wife's downstairs, so she can't say anything. Um, make it difficult for her. And so on the very surface, this... Uh, this verse is countercultural. So when we see and read the Bible, we can see that there's a power inversion going on. If you look at God and what he did and, uh, through Christ, is that there's this a flipping of the coin. Why? Because you would think 
that Jesus, who is the king of kings, and what did he do? He came down and he humbled himself and became a baby. We'll talk about that in a few weeks when it's uh, Christmas season. So God, the creator, lays down his life. Another power inversion through Christ is that uh, the rich uh, are not just idolized and the poor are looked down upon. It's the opposite. It's the poor who are no longer downtrodden or looked down upon. Um, it, you remember the, the power in version two is that it was the leper. He was the outcast. But next thing you know that he's no longer an outcast, but be, he's being touched and healed by Jesus. It's, there's this power inversion that's going on through the life of Christ. I love that story of Jesus touching the leper. It was something that really uh, ministered to me, especially during COVID, uh, because it was, you know, your natural reaction is to just, you know, not only six feet, but 60 feet. And as a minister of the gospel, what do, what do we do when someone needs to be prayed for? Um, and I'm not asking you to take that risk. Uh, I just felt like God was calling me to take that risk, to pray for people, to get close to people. And it's one thing that's a, a physical, you know, if you touch a diseased leper that you could possibly get it. It's a whole different when it's an airborne, and I get it. But for me, I felt like God was calling me to be close to people, willing to, uh, to follow in obedience in that area. But, but the power inversion, the poor are no longer looked down upon, uh, the outcasts become family, and uh, the gospel screams against racial injustice and social injustice, and especially social exploitations and, and uh, exploiting people. The gospel screams against it. So on the surface, it may look like women are being subjugated, but we have to put on the lens of Christ to look at that scripture in a proper way. Now, we know that Jesus elevated women. That's what my first sermon was about and how Jesus elevated women and women are intertwined in his, his life and in the story. And then sometimes, uh, some people have heard this when I was in college, the apostle Paul comes and he squashes that down. But that's not really the case. So if we go back to Ephesians chapter 5, it says that at the end in verse 25 that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Last week I told you of an example that was not very good. It was an example of my dad. Now my dad has passed away almost two years ago. And... Um, he wasn't really a good example of serving my mom. Uh, actually, the opposite. You know, my mom will be here on Wednesday. Hopefully, she's not watching today. But my mom was the perfect example of servanthood. She served my fa our family. She served my dad. But at home, I didn't see that. Never, I don't think. Um, I think my dad gave me a bath once, and I wish that he never did that again. Soap up my nose and my eyes and all that. And so being a servant was not something that I saw modeled in my life. So the question that we have to ask is, how did Christ love the church? It says in verse 25, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. So how did Christ love the church? We've already mentioned it multiple times throughout the service, but one is, the very first thing is that he died on the cross. 
there was an element of saying, I'm willing to die to myself in order to accomplish God's will. And that's something not only men but, and women, all of us can emulate Christ, willing to die on the cross for the church, for his uh, creatures, his creation. The second thing is that by giving himself completely, he was willing to suffer for the church. He was willing to put the church's needs above his own by sacrificing everything. And we all know the temptations that Christ went through uh, in order to fulfill his plan, God's plan and purpose. And I would say, sadly, and I just gave you an example, too many men throughout history, and not like old history, I'm talking about like current history, have asked their wives to do that, to give themselves up completely, willing to sacrifice for the, the church uh, and, and to put her need, uh, his needs over her needs. And so in other words, we've, uh, we've kind of flipped it back to many of us. And I know, uh, uh, I know the moms here, most of them, the ones that have been part of our church, you guys have sacrificed and figured to live here, killing yourselves for the body, the, 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 the family. And we want to say thank you so much. I'm always amazed how hard my wife works, and um, my family could attest to it that she's a hard worker, and she uh, constantly serves, but uh, it's, it should be the both of us. And so, um, ladies, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, the, the church, the, the church worldwide is being run by women across this globe, uh, most uh, believers in China are women. Most believers in India are women. Most believers in, in South America are women who are leading and guiding the church. And, and we say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. When I was in that church in Colombia, in Pasto, Colombia, which is the southern part of Colombia, it was, uh, we were there visiting, and, and Robin and I and the kids, I was desperate to be a part of a church on a Sunday morning. And so we found one, a church, and it was just wonderfully led, and, and that's probably 80% women. And I just say thank you, Father, from the bottom of our hearts that the church is being raised and grown by women across the globe. So what I'm here to tell us and encourage us is that when we put on the lens of Christ, the gospel begins to make sense. The scriptures begin to make sense. So why does it make sense? Because husbands and wives, we both come to the table, the, the table of Christ, the same way, humble and broken. It's not like somehow because we're men, we get to, you know, come in with a little swagger and the lady's not. It's, the, it's not. We're both. We come in with our heads down and our, our hands extended and we ask for God's grace. We don't say to Jesus, hey, I'm in charge now. No, we say, Jesus, you're in charge. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 5. And that's one of our very first sermons we preached at our church 14 years ago. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I used to have a picture of a lady that I saw too many times, this, this type of picture in South America where there was this lady. I remember vividly in Quito, Ecuador, we were at the main Catholic church doing a little tour of this beautiful Catholic church, and there were some poor people around the church, and there was one lady in particular. She didn't have enough self-esteem to even lift her head to show her face. 
And the only thing she could do is just kind of look down and extend her hand. And I thought that was a perfect picture, a perfect picture of blessed are the poor in spirit. And so, Lord, so when we come to Christ, we, we just say, God, have mercy on us, and we extend our hand, and we ask God to, to, uh, to grab it. I have a photo, a picture in my office of Jesus uh, putting his hand in the water. And I believe it's the, the depiction of Peter drowning when he tried to walk on the water, and he's he started drowning, and Jesus reaches in and grabs him. I like them not necessarily because of that story, but I feel like he, Jesus, dove into, uh, I call cesspool water for my life, and he extended his hand, and, and I was, as I was drowning, I lifted my hand, and, and he grabs. But we both come that way. We both come in humility. So when we come into his presence, we come in with brokenness and humility. And, and we don't come with our own rights. And if we do, in the sense that we're rejecting Jesus. So when we understand this, we can see that God not only created male and female, he created sex and marriage. And marriage is a way of telescoping uh, to the world. Uh, it's an icon. It's a sample of God's relationship and desire for his, his creation. To have a relationship re- reunited through Christ. So the great marriage of Christ and his church, we can see that Jesus gave himself completely, and we husbands are to follow that lead. So my message really, a lot of it is focused towards husbands and men in our church. So marriage is not just about me. It's not just about my wife, but our marriage should be a a telescope, as I said, should point to a much greater reality. So marriage is much more than just sex. It's more than um, finding, uh, and it was hard for, we were in that marriage conference last week, and, you know, that Jesus really is the answer in our lives. The Christians, people who are single, can still find fulfillment and enjoyment in Christ. In other words, marriage is not the pinnacle of our relationship with Christ. So our friends who are single or not married can have a full life in Christ and join Christ fully. Jesus is telling us in this sex-crazed world that we live in, there's something better than that. Now, I wrote this, and in, um, I'll confess. Did we sing a song about confessing today? I, I don't remember. But I'll confess. Uh, I... If you ever, ever have to preach on marriage, uh, one thing undoubtedly will happen. You know what that is? You'll fight with your wife before you have to preach the message. It just, it's just going to happen. And so uh, Robin and I had this little, little tension this morning, um, <laughs> and I knew it was going to happen. And so, and sure it was, we, we did have some tension this morning. So thank you, Jesus, that she's downstairs with the kids. And so she'd be folding her arms right around here. So. so have you ever wondered why our marriages are not a constant state of nirvana or heaven? Have you ever wondered that? Maybe some of you, as I look at you, probably have like a constant state of heaven. So I'm thinking out loud here. I'm wondering, and it's, and it's, it's an akin to C.S. Lewis and hunger, is that it, there's something, this is not all it. There's something bigger and better. And that bigger and better is not another person. Too many in our culture feel like 
uh, if I could just get rid of this situation and find me another situation, I want to find nirvana. But you find that when you do that, it's, it's not nirvana. It's not heaven. Marriage is maybe, maybe, let us know that, man, this, there's more to this. We long for a deeper relationship. And that can only come through Christ. We like to make fun of my wife a little bit because she's Italian, right? My father-in-law is Italian, right, Robert? Are you Italian? Are you Italian? Yeah. So my wife didn't... <laughs> this is not good. I should stop, right? My wife did the DNA test and it came back zero Italian. So my poor, my poor wife is uh, like, why is she zero Italian? So don't think too hard about that. But we like to mess with her in saying that uh, she's Italian, like Fazoli's Italian. And so, and we know that Fazoli is not Italian. Um, and the reason I say that is sometimes our marriage is possibly can be no more than just Fazoli's. It's just a sample of the real thing. And that sample of the real thing is in Christ. It's in Christ. Marriages are really a scaled-down model of the real relationship with Christ. So that Christ is the one who truly deserves our submission. Christ deserves our full submission. Let me just skip a few things here. When we read Ephesians chapter 5, we need to pay attention to the character of Christ. Nowhere, and guys, listen to me. Maybe you're not like me, and I'm, I'm superimposing my thoughts and my life onto you, so forgive me, all right? Uh, and, and sometimes we tend to do that. <laughs> Nowhere will you find in the gospel or in scriptures where it says husbands are to oppress their wives. Nowhere are you going to find that it says husbands dominate your wife. It's not, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Jesus came to be a servant, not to lead an army. He gave up his life as a ransom, he, he submitted himself, his life, in order to see the bride move forward in the, in the gospel story. So when husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. And the word here, gave up, is the same word that you'll find when Jesus was given up or handed over to be crucified. So husbands, I'm talking not just to you, but I'm talking to myself. Do we love our wives like Christ loved the church? Are we willing to lay down our lives and serve? And I confess, as I shared already this morning, I failed many times in my 34 years of marriage. So when we look to Jesus... He is the ultimate man. And this is the ultimate man. If we want to know what it means to be a man, 
definitely not to um, dominate and humiliate or, or um, subjugate women. Listen, Jesus is the ultimate man. He had the power and strength to command and summon angels and defeat death. But what does he do? He takes on pain and suffering. And this man, this perfect man, takes up little babies and puts them in their, his arms. He elevates women. We could see that, as read earlier. But at the same time, he takes a whip, a temple, uh, in the temple, and he, and he turns over the tables. And he's willing to be tender and willing to welcome outcast and the weak. And John chapter 19, Pontius Pilate says, behold the man. And I would agree, behold the man. At this point when Jesus, uh, Jesus is being uh, talked about by Pontius Pilate, he was already been mocked. He was abused by his guards. He was wearing a crown of, crown of thorns. He was uh, mocked by the crowds, and he's wearing this robe. And so that is the man, Jesus. It was never to justify chauvinism, abuse, or denigration of women. Just the opposite. So I pray for us. I pray for us men and husbands that we follow Christ's example and not previous generations of fallen examples. Now, I shared last week of my, my, um, my example. And in some ways, my dad, he did all the big things right. He did all the big things right. He, he did it. Uh, but in many ways, he did not set a good example. And I loved my dad. And so some of you who know me really well, honor and respect my dad. But as I looked back, I'm like, that was my model. That was my example. And sadly, I kind of took that on. We learn by seeing. It's one of the reasons we have our kids up here. And I know they're scrambling and they're loud and they might be even interrupting your worship time. But our kids are here because we need to model in front of them what it looks like for adults to worship Jesus. It's not perfect scenario. I know we would like it to be, uh, you know, uh, no, no intrusions, no obstacles of us worshiping Jesus. But there's something more important than that, is that we model in front of our kids. And so uh, I didn't have a great model of servanthood at home. And I ended up replicating some of that. And so I tell my kids that are here that uh, follow Jesus. Now, I know Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, but I'm telling you, make sure we follow Christ, not, not just me. So Christ never justifies chauvinism, abuse, or denigration of women. So I pray for us husbands that we follow Christ's example and not previous generations of fallen examples nor do we follow today's culture. So also a fallen example. So too many, too many generations, we've had a bad view of women, a denigrating view of women, 
and sometimes even, and many times, probably patronizing, especially in the church. Why? Because we've had, we've had, hopefully had, an infected view of scriptures. And now that God is allowing us to put on the lens of Christ and looking at it differently, uh, that we read the scriptures through the lens of Christ. So I'm asking us men to make a little promise. Can we make a promise today that we would follow Christ's example? I want us to follow Christ's example as Christ loved the church. I'm going to ask Bryce to come on up and like us to finish. If we could just close our eyes for a brief moment. Uh, bow our heads. That's, that's uh, very... Uh, it's a way for us to just uh, concentrate on what God wants to speak to us. Lord, help us not to be a, and us meaning us men, not to be a barrier for our wives and our women in our midst in following you. Lord, help us to mirror you appropriately. Help us to divide God's word appropriately. And Lord, we renounce any, uh, any patterns that we've picked up from generation after generation after generation. But Lord, help us to pick up and model after you. Lord, we want to follow you not the patterns of this world and not the patterns of the generations that have gone before us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for my dad and who he was. Lord, I thank you that I can learn from the good things and the not-so-good things by the power of Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand and we're going to sing a song. It's a proclamation that we're going to follow Jesus. It's an old song that we should know. If you don't, it's easy. It's called, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. It's a proclamation we've decided to follow Jesus. I have We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.